Welcome to the Real Estate Sessions and join industry leaders as they share their stories and offer tips and advice to real estate professionals. Now your host, Bill Risser of Chicago Title, Arizona. Hi, Bill Risser with Chicago Title here with episode 20 of the Real Estate Sessions podcast. And in the past, we've interviewed Holly Mabry from Cottonwood and Evan Fuchs from Bullhead City and Paula Montefer from Flagstaff. We really are overdue for a visit down south. And so let's get an industry leader in from Tucson. And that's going to be Steve Redman from Long Realty Company. Steve's been in the industry for 12 years, and but been a business owner and an entrepreneur for well over 20. Um, and like many of our guests, Steve is a very active volunteer. He was the 2014 president of the Tucson Association of Realtors. And he's actually running for the 2017 treasurer for the Arizona Association of Realtors. He served on multiple committees on the state and local level as well. Steve, welcome to the Real Estate Sessions podcast. Hi, Bill. Thanks. Gee, I'm 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 20. I don't feel a day over 19. <laughs> uh, me too. How's that? <laughs> so, so I'm going to start off. I always like to find out where people kind of where they grew up and what their life was like and how they end up in Arizona. And like many people, you're not a native, uh, myself included, but and I, I was able to find out you grew up in the Midwest. You grew up uh, in Michigan. You went to the University of Michigan, Flint, but somehow you escaped the snow and ended up uh, in Tucson or the old Pueblo. How did that happen? Well, you know, it was interesting because uh, my partner, who I, I, I'm married to and, and have been involved with for 36 years, um, uh, is from Tucson, Arizona, but was living in the Detroit area. And so that was my introduction to coming out to Arizona. And so we started coming out regularly. My first time was in 1979. And I was, uh, let's see, how old was I, 23? And came out, and it just looked like a big brown dust bowl to me. And it wasn't very attractive. Right. <laughs> um, came back 13 years later, and I don't know if, if Tucson changed or, or Phoenix changed or if I changed, but I started to see the green when I started coming out here. And we started coming out every year on vacation. And it was funny because the first year we came, we flew into Phoenix, drove down to Tucson, spent maybe a weekend there, and then spent the rest of the time up in Phoenix and Scottsdale and that. Then the next year came and we arrived in Phoenix and we drove down. We spent more time in, in Tucson this time, about equal. Third year we flew into Phoenix and drove directly to Tucson. We knew that Tucson was what appealed to us more. Um, we've done life in the big city. I'm from the Detroit area, um, so you know <laughs> I don't need to live in the metropolis again. And Tucson, just I, I think by that third year, I, I, what really told me I was I was getting acclimated was when some lady stopped me at a gas station and asked me for directions, and I went, "Oh, sure, you do this." And I went, "Wow, I really know the way my way around here." And uh, that was 1991. One, I think we purchased a house at that point and we moved in in 1992. Wow. So, I, you know, I think that for a lot of people that are outside the state don't really know, you know, the the vast changes in in in, the, in Arizona. I mean, you can go from one, you know, from the mountains to the desert yeah. to, to, you know, pretty close to the ocean if you had just travel a few hours. But give me a give our listeners a little description of Tucson. Tell me. Everything about it except that U of A part. We'll just leave that out. Well, well you know, <laughs> unlike you, Bill, I, I was willing to travel for the better experience. Um, <laughs> being the Michigan transplant and, and, and been here permanently since 1992, Tucson's a, gar you know, it's a desert garden oasis um, just set in a beautiful valley um, from 
you know, Marana and Oro Valley at your back door, mm -hmm. south to Corona de Tucson and Vail on our southeast side. It's it's just the the atmosphere here is it's the little engine that could. Um, we're over a million people in the valley now, and the renaissance that's occurring in the downtown corridor is just short of miraculous. Um, but no matter how big we become, everyone still refers to us as the biggest small town you could ever love. Right. It's it's very cool. You mentioned, you know, you've got that, that Oro Valley, which is up around the mountains, the Santa, Santa Catalinas, right? And then mm -hmm. you've got the foothills that are on the, that run up to the mountain. And then you've got the downtown area. And then, you know, you can go even farther south into Green Valley, which I would call a suburb, I guess, of Tucson. But for well, me, the golf is like that. Well, I know they wouldn't like it, but no, <laughs> right. the, the, the golf is amazing, <laughs> but you're right. It's, yeah. it's really growing up. I've, you know, I've lived in Arizona since 2000 and I've made multiple trips down there and it, that you're the downtown is just like you said, it's going to be really cool when they get that done. Well, you know, Savannah Guthrie, who's on the Today Show, is a Tucson girl and, and started here and was on TV here, and she's there now. And the last time that the Today Show was in Tucson, which was back in the 90s, um, the only thing they presented for Tucson was old Tucson studios. And it was like, that is just not what we're about. This is a, a thriving metropolis. Um, we have great, uh, we have symphony, we have theater. We got the uh, Broadway in Tucson series, which is the Nederlander uh, group out of Detroit, actually, wow. uh, who chose uh, Tucson over Phoenix uh, to bring Broadway in Tucson here. And plus we have all of the things that go around the uh, University of Arizona. Sorry, I had to bring it up in terms of culture. And so it's a very sophisticated city. It's just not quite as showy, perhaps, as, uh, as our neighbor to the north. I understand. I know it's it's a great little part of the state. Like I said, I'm, I'm yeah. really there's all kinds of neat places here in Arizona that are just not Phoenix. You just barely have to drive two hours and you're in a whole different land. Yep. It's just amazing. Yeah. yeah. Now, when you first came out here, you weren't in real estate. I, you owned your own business. You've always been an entrepreneur, it feels sounds like. And so you owned your own small business. Um, tell us about that experience. Well, you know, I've tried to count the number of hats I've worn along the way. Um, I once heard that the average number of careers is six, and I, I think I'm on either number four or number five at this point. Um, I started out in retail sales um, when I first got out of high school, then wound up going into retail management. Um, then my whole life changed. This was after I'd met Charles, and I actually uh, went into personal service as a hairdresser. I became a cosmetologist. This was back in 1980. And uh, from that, then when we decided to move out here, I said the only way I would do retail again is if I owned it, and so we did. And we started our own store called Tucson Trunk, which uh, we were the artsy-fartsy card store up on the hill uh, at Craycroft and River. And we were there for over a decade. Uh, we sold cards, gifts, stationery, definitely not your Hallmark variety. And we also did very high-end invitations um, that we, we both retailed and custom created for people. Wow. So tell me more about that. that I'm, I'm guessing that you had a very um, loyal clientele and a sphere that was created of, of people who loved what you were doing at that store. Am I right? 
Yes, it, we did. It was, you know, and and I. It's interesting because you talk about things that maybe survive from one career into another. I was into list building back at that point in time. Oh, so smart. Closed, smart. <laughs> yeah, when we closed the store, I had a mailing list of over five thousand who had been uh, attendees of Tucson Trunk, but I had a core list of twenty five hundred who were our. I could send out a postcard, and I got an immediate response from. So um, when we did that and we had to get rid of some of the merchandise from the store, we threw, threw a few private sales at the house and that sort of thing, and I used that mailing list. Also, uh, I used it a bit when we got into real estate. And, uh, in fact, this past year, uh, eight of our listings uh, were for one of those relationships. So it still survives, even though we closed the doors on Tucson Trunk in 2002. So it's been a while. Wow. So so we get to roughly 2002, 2003. That's when you decide to get into real estate. Now, both of you are in real estate, correct? Yeah. Um, okay. it's, it, Charles actually got in in 2000. Um, so he came to me at the store. The way the store worked is um, I, I worked the store 100% of the time. We had usually one full-time employee. Um, maybe a couple of part-times along the way. And Charles did the books for for the store, and we both did the buying. So we would go, our, our two best markets were we were going to New York at least once a year, generally for the uh, stationary show and sometimes for the gift show, and then uh, San Francisco for our other gift show. So it was kind of perfect. But he came to me one day and said, I'm a little bored. I think I'd like to try real estate. And uh, I was like, okay. And so I called... Uh, Laura Mance, who was at that time uh, manager for um, Caldwell Banker, which was directly above our store, and got a hold of her, and I said, this is what he'd like to do, and she goes, well, great, I'll take him to lunch, and next thing you know, he's in at Hogan School getting his license, and uh, he came out, and this is where the story goes a little awry, because he got recruited by two companies, which was great, Caldwell Banker, and also by Long Realty, and... Um, I made him go to Long. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Put a definite strain on our friendship with, with Laura. But the reason I did it at that time was because in terms of how they were promoting the agent, Long was better at it. When you went, you got, got to a web page that represented that agent and not the company. And that was the reason why I thought it was more important to go to that company at that point in time. Okay. So, Steve, I want to ask you this question. You and Charles are openly gay, um, and I want to I want to ask you: Has have you found that to be kind of a, a is there a way for that to be a benefit for you in the world of real estate? Is there is there a niche, or is there a community, or is it somehow work in your favor? Well, you know, it's interesting. Um, I would say our percentage of business that is that comes from the gay community is probably representative of the size of the gay community. Maybe it's 10 to 15 percent. Um, we don't, like I say, we don't have a rainbow flag on our side. So, you know, okay. we, we don't openly go out there and tell everybody at first thing, nor do we deny um, who we are. Never, And we've been so fortunate because uh, both of us being hairdressers in the past and getting into real estate as we've come along, we've never been in an industry we felt we've had to uh, deny who we are. And especially in Tucson, I mean, Tucson's, I get, I get calls all the time from gay people who are wanting to come to Tucson. They go, well, where do the gay people live? And I go, we live everywhere. Oh, that's, <laughs> that's perfect. That's a great answer. Yeah. 
Yeah, and, and I mean from from the foothills down to the you know the barrio, we're everywhere. And so, where would you like to live? Because, and they go, well, can we run into you know any negativity? And I go, certainly you can. You know, that comes that comes anywhere in the United States. I, I mean, some areas are going to be a little more open than others, especially when you've got a university town like we do. Mm-hmm. Um, you run into less less uh, opposition per se. But uh, you can run into a pick that your expletive here uh, in any neighborhood. <laughs> Absolutely. Right. Uh, so I, I'd tell anybody, you know, go get to know your neighbors before you move in. It couldn't hurt, you know. It's the same answer you give anybody, whether they're straight or gay, it's, which is great. Yeah. yeah, perfect. Yeah, so I, is it a benefit to us? No, I, I can't say that it is, nor, nor is it a negative. So it, it just is. And I'm, that's the way it should be. Good. I'm happy to hear that. Good. Yeah. Well, you entered the business right at the height of the run-up, right? You're, so you became, oh got your license in 2003. <laughs> Things were smoking, yeah. right? <laughs> uh, I still remember uh, in 2003, and I, I sitting in the bullpen area where we, everybody's working in that, and an agent came in through one door, and he goes, I've got a brand new listing in such and such a neighborhood, and I grabbed it out of his hand because I knew Charles was in working with people who could not find what they were looking for. Ran over, gave him the listing. They ran out <laughs> to the house. They beat the agent to the house. He still didn't have the lockbox on. And they wound up, I think there were as many as 14 people bidding on this property. Wow. And we won it because we were very good at working with escalation clauses <laughs> at that point in time. Oh, those were the days. Right. And then we got to ride it up and we got to ride it back down. Um, and the community that I specialize in in, in uh, Tucson is called Fairfield and the Foothills. And it's kind of, it's I wouldn't call it entirely a retirement community, but it's definitely a, a high percentage of people who have second homes, that sort of thing. And so when the market started to turn in Tucson, Fairfield was still going up. I mean, it was just running contrary to everybody else until about 08. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Somebody knocked on the door and said, "Here's reality." Right. And, Whoo, you know. Uh, so, so you, you in, got you got about of, a you got about a year of uh, yeah. time. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. And back in '05, we'd be lucky to have at now. This is a neighborhood that has 1,440 uh, townhomes in it. We would be lucky to have as many as six on the market in '05 <sighs> because they would go that fast. At the worst of it, because I've been there through the worst, (laughs) we got up as high as 54 homes on the market. And it was like, oh, what's going to happen? What happened is we had a lot of unhappy sellers who didn't sell their homes. You know, there just wasn't the the demand to cover it at that point. You've you've definitely embraced technology. I love the fact that you were already a list builder before you became a realtor. Let's talk about the importance of that in your business. Well, you know, in, in particular, because I do have a farm area that I work, I have a, its own individual list. And I also, we have that, we have, I have actually several lists. I have seller lists, buyer lists, and I have farm lists. And they're all three that we market to on a regular basis. Um, I'm a big believer in marketing. I think my background coming from retail and that I've always been geared in that way. Um, us joining Long Realty, the good thing about that is they're known as the technology leader for the, the brokerages that are here. And they always give us the absolute best items to work with. I mean, we have great mobile technology for our clients. 
Um, again, we have the, the state-of-the-art websites that we have. We just added a new thing in that just got added in the 29th, I believe the 29th of November, which is we have our own AVM program now going on our sites. Wow. So that if somebody goes on there and punches in their address, it, as long as it's not listed, <laughs> right. it will return a value and tell them both what the Zillow score is, what the RPR score is, and a third. So you wow. get three estimations of value. Wow, with those three, I'm going to need to call somebody to get it deciphered, I guess, right? That's exactly. The next... exactly. Exactly. That's... I love that. But that's, yeah, that's where, you know, that's why we love Long. I've been with Long the whole time. I've been in business, as has Charles. And they just keep, they, they come to us and they go, what's next? And ask, you know, and, and I mean, by we, I mean all the realtors, you know, what's next? What are, where do we need to go? And they're always looking for that. All right. Well, Steve, you and I met, I'm pretty sure the first time we met was at Bar Camp in Phoenix. I oh, think yeah. In 2011, you decided to take that Bar Camp thing that Jay and Nick and D. Patrick and everybody had put together. You brought that, the RE Bar Camp to Tucson. Um, and I went to that first one. And I know your past career, you know, as an entrepreneur and, and in the in, in the industries you were in led to the success of that camp. Tell me about the startup of Tucson RE Bar Camp. Well, I think it was after the second um, Phoenix Bar Camp that I had driven up for and thoroughly enjoyed that I said to myself driving back to Tucson, why aren't we doing this in Tucson? So I started planning our bar camp, and I'm a pretty good organizer. Um, but more importantly, uh, we were able to pull off bar camp Tucson because of the involvement of my oh-so-talented committee members who had the marketing and home tour committee, and they were on board immediately, and um, they are just, <laughs> that group is such a well-gelled group that when we said this is, this is kind of how it goes and most of them had never attended the event that we were able to pull it off and, uh, you know, I think some of the best compliments we ever got were from some of you guys who came down from Phoenix and I think we're there for our second one. That, I think you're right. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Mm -hmm. and told us, you know, that how well organized you thought it all was. And uh, so we did one last year, and right now it's sort of on hiatus. I don't know if the association is going to go forward with it. The first two years that we did it, the association didn't want to have any involvement. So I said, okay. So <laughs> I went out to um, all the affiliates and said, hey, I've got this idea. Would you get involved? And they all said yes. And so uh, we basically sold well, sponsorships. Mm -hmm. to them in the two fifty five hundred and thousand dollar range and long realty of course was on immediately they said we'll do the t-shirts for it and cover that cost and I said great so because <laughs> we didn't want to do any reporting um, I just as a bill would come in I would direct it to one of the affiliates and say could you take care of this for us please right and that's Perfect. how we were able to rent the stadium and pull the whole thing off but by about the third year, uh, the association came in and said, you know, <laughs> with our name associated with this and that, uh, and we've, we've got to be worried about insurance coverage and that sort of thing. And that's when they got involved. So I hope they'll do it again forward. We, you know, we had a lot of fun putting it on. It's a lot of work, as you well know. Yep. Uh, but it was sure well received. Yeah, I agree. It's you know we we've also been on hiatus in Phoenix, and the conversations aren't dead. There there are still. No back channel talks going on about trying to get another one up and going. It's, but like you said, it's a lot of, a uh, lot of effort and energy and obviously it's all volunteer. And, and that leads me to a, a follow-up question for you. 
you obviously are part of that core group of people in Arizona who understand the importance of being involved at the association level and really, you know, kind of driving education and knowledge and that whole raise the bar thing and all that good stuff with realtors. Tell me why that's so important to you. You know, it's been a real growth experience for me. Um, the reason I got involved with the association uh, back in 07 is I had had, quite frankly, not a very good experience at the front desk one day. And it was just really mad because mm. I've always been in service. And I didn't get treated the way I felt I should have been treated at the front desk. And I came back and I was just sort of stewing about it. And at that point, out came an email from the association looking for volunteers. And I thought, well, you can stay man or you can get involved. So I went ahead and sent that off. And next thing you know, a couple of months later, they contact me and they say, well, you know, we stopped doing home tours. Uh, because the market got so hot, and we think we'd like to start that up again. Okay. And so there were a group of us that got together, and we began that process. At that point, you know, I'm in there because I'm thinking, well, with some volunteerism, maybe we can see things run a little bit better. That, that was my motivation at that point in time. So I got involved. Next thing you know, I decide be, beyond being a committee member, I'm going to run to become a director. So I do that. Um, I did that did two year stint, then did more. And all along the way, as you're getting more and more involved, you're seeing just how much contribution the association is making in the lives of the realtors and in the community. And I think that's where you start to change your mindset from fixing the problem to seeing how I can assist in aiding and getting an even better uh, outcome from the association for the community and for our members. And so I ran for director a second time, and then a year later I ran for the executive committee level, uh, did that, and next thing you know, I'm president in 2014. So it's just been a wonderful experience. I've met the best people uh, all around the state and all around the country because of going to uh, both the national convention and to the legislative meetings in May that they have in uh, D.C., and I wouldn't trade it for the world. I love to hear that. I love to, you know, it's a common theme, it seems like, through all of my local um, industry leaders that I talk to on the podcast. And uh, I think that's why they're successful. <laughs> you know, if you invest well, in your business, it's going to pay off. And, you know, I, I just paid your podcast a big compliment. And I, I truly mean it. Um, listening to it, I, I know almost all of the people you've interviewed so far. I know them in some extent. And this is giving back to the community because if anyone is a, either a new person coming in and is truly interested or if it's somebody who has been in the business a while, maybe worked you know, side by side on a committee with people but doesn't know them that well, boy, you really get to know somebody through these podcasts. I think they're wonderful. Oh, that's great. Well, thank you. Let's get let's let's get some of the one little negative question out of the way. I always want to hear what people are doing wrong, and it's maybe not wrong, but give me a couple of your your industry pet peeves, and they can they can be anything in the real estate space. But what there's got to be a few that things would, that bug you. Well, and I've listened to your podcast and know that you asked that, and that's the easiest one for me. Both are communication pet peeves. Mm. Um, number one is, and this came from 2002 before I was in the industry, but I was living vicariously through Charles and his involvement, is the use of acronyms. Um, I got my license in 2003, but I started living 
vicariously through him. And the first thing I noticed was all the use of acronyms like CRS, BINZER, SPUDS, ABR. And everyone assumes everyone else knows what you're speaking of. And mm -hmm. I think that's a dangerous trap. I, I, I think we should remember that no matter how experienced we are and how experienced we think everyone around us is, that we should still speak in plain English as often as possible because there may just be one person in the group that doesn't know what you're talking about. And then number two is doing as little as you can get away with communications-wise with another agent. Um, you know, to slip them an email to rather than pick up a phone. Um, so often agents think of the agent on the other side of the deal as the opponent rather than uh, representing a client that may seem to have opposing motives from what our client does. So I try to think of that other agent as my ally and I think you know you should too and and, and it, you can achieve the conclusion you're both trying to um, while still working together. So I, I would like to encourage everyone to take a little extra time to reach out um, to the other agent and cooperate. Uh, communication. I love them both. You know, coming from, from, a, from a title background, you know, it's the number one complaint about us. It's the number one complaint about lenders. It's the number one complaint is communication. And, you know, obviously, if you get good at that, you're going to really overcome a lot of those problems. You know, if you, if you even start the conversation with how can I help you, I mean, they're just going to be blown away and they're going to want to do another deal with you in the yeah. future. So. Awesome. Let's go with my, my usual final question. I've, I've taken up a half hour of your time. I really appreciate it. Um, and you know what's coming. It's what's that one piece of advice that you would give to a newer agent or somebody who's kind of plateaued? What, what would you tell them to help them along? That's the easiest one. You must market. You must market harder when you're busy, and you must market consistently. No excuses. And it doesn't matter what means that means for you, whether it's snail mail, email, text, drive-bys, open houses. Consistency is what matters. Your clients need to know that, like the rising and setting sun, they're going to see you at such and such in time or see your message like clockwork. That consistency is what builds relationships. Oh, you ended on my favorite word, relationships. I love that. Great. <laughs> Let me, uh, Steve, if people want to get in touch with you, how do, what's the best way for them to reach out? Well, you can always jump on uh, my website. Uh, you'll see both Charles and I there, which is toptucsonhomes.com. Uh, my phone number is area code 520-548-2096. I'm at the Long Realty Foothills office up on Sunrise Drive, and I'd be happy to talk with anybody. Steve, thank you so much for spending some time with us today on the Real Estate Sessions podcast. I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. Bill, thank you and keep doing it. I will. I promise. Thanks to everyone out there for finding and listening to the Real Estate Sessions podcast. Please share the website, therealestatesessions.com with anyone you feel can benefit from listening to these industry leaders share their knowledge. And we will see you next time. Thanks. Bye. You've been listening to The Real Estate Sessions with Bill Risser of Chicago Title, Arizona. Please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and tell your friends about The Real Estate Sessions as new episodes are published weekly.